0: Crash as a press record. To say something.
1: Testing, testing. One, two, three. I I really don't. I really don't like the jingle Mark.
0: You don't like the jingle?
1: Nah, it, it's it's lacking. It's weak. I know. It needs you know. A bit of oomph.
0: No, that's true. And what we need is Nick to finish up that thing. Cause what we want to do is we wanna put that indelible grace, uh, Guy me O thou great Jehovah. It is the perfect jingle. Okay. For I'm down this with that. podcast. Yeah. I am and Nick is lagging on that one. And it's the the new year is coming and I you know, I thought we would have this together already and I'm kind of freaking out and you know But is he
1: doing it on his guitar?
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy's a pro why guitarist.
1: Just, why don't you just email the guys and ask them if you can just use their song?
0: Hmm, There's a thought.
1: I mean, I'm sure they won't kick off about it, bro. I mean, Michael Horton was using another Indelible Grace thing. Is he? Thing. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure they even asked permission. Like, you know, I think <laughs> like uh, there's only bad. like 15 people in the world who listen to Indelible Grace anyway. So I'm sure they'd like any any free advertising.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I uh, I might do that. Actually, yeah. that'd be a good sue New Year's it. little treat. I mean, they're not going to yeah. sue us, are they? Even if they no, catch us. I mean,
1: I think I, th- I think it is a matter of courtesy.
0: Yeah.
1: And and legality, <laughs> but you know.
0: Right. We can like, call ourselves the outlaw often. sojourners or something.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know. Open up with the outlaw jingle.
1: We're like one kingdom. But not of this world kingdom.
0: Exactly. If yeah. to
1: this world kingdom.
0: So, um, but anyways, moving on. <laughs> what say you about your week?
1: Uh, what's oh, just more Christmas madness? More um, Christmas uh,
0: madness. Oh, we don't want to get into it. We did this massive Christmas no. thing last, last year, podcasting. I'm, We're
1: not doing that again. I'm are just we? so over no. it, yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm
0: Do whatever you want on Christmas.
1: I, I do think that every Christmas we should read Tolkien's thing on a uh, little bit about the incarnation at the end of his on fairy tales.
0: True. Essay.
1: I think that is beautiful. Yeah, I think just, we should read that every
0: Christmas. That's true. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Cool. So, yeah, we need to get those little <sighs> traditions down. That's amazing. There are some great little pieces that you just want to keep going with, you know. Wonderful. Almost like a... Like an Anglican liturgical calendar year for podcasting, with t- totally. to do with Athanasius Advent. Oh, beautiful, you know? beautiful, yeah. I will collect them as we go through as well with that Church Father Friday thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Come no, on. I really like that Tolkien. The Tolkien one is is my favorite little thing by you know at the moment, mm. just because he connects the incarnation with the happy ending, you know, mm, think and it's just it's just really cool. Is cool. But um, Yeah, other than that, I'm still trying to get essays done and I'm just, you know, like having to stay up really late to try and and make some progress, but uh, that's all good. And then I keep getting distracted as well, so like, you know. There is nothing like,
0: yeah, there's nothing like formal theological study for, like, distraction par excellence. I mean, it's just an it's like amazing... Suddenly
1: I'm interested in a lot of stuff. Oh,
0: it's amazing. Like, it, it, I actually thought about it the other day. You could prescribe it to people who are depressed or something, you know. They'll find their life's purpose if they decide to do a theological, <laughs> And it you know, just
1: won't be the thing that they've paid money for.
0: Absolutely not, yeah. That's the one rule in this equation. It's It's got to be something that's unrelated to your study. But but you know the payoff is amazing. You know, all of a sudden you are just filled with new beans for all sorts of, of things. Full of life. Yeah, just... Look at the world of fresh. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like he walks through woods and contemplating the yeah. leaf yeah, sculpture. Yeah, it's, I'm going to try sculpture. <laughs> oh boy crazy yeah so i saw you were reading through two books there that were of interest um james white's justification by faith and uh what mm-hmm. else did you say john owens um
1: oh yeah so again in my um <laughs> distraction it's very relevant
0: <laughs> <I'm just> re- <laughs> no, do, do tell what is this all for is this for hermeneutics
1: Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's what it's for, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, uh, no, I was reading John Owen's arguments for infant baptism, right. I, I'm always interested in John Owen because uh, you know he's a little bit of a Baptist in some ways, isn't he? So, mm. um, like he was a kind of halfway, halfway Baptist. So, oh,
0: absolutely. We need to come up so with like the name. I, it's almost like well, basically he died too soon. If he had carried on living, he would have been a Baptist. Yeah. So he was he was a trajectory yeah. Baptist or something like that. You know, and pre
1: He's definitely my favorite Puritan, definitely.
0: Oh man, uh, without a doubt, you know, just in terms of his biblical theology and his level of sophistication yeah. on on uh, you know reading the covenants yeah. and it, as uh, Chris, you know, Chris did his PhD in this area in this uh, period, and um, and he's just without a doubt, he's just like John Owen is just head of, head and shoulders above anyone else, you know. Just in terms of anyone that's worth reading in, in in the stuff that we care about, you know. So,
1: interestingly, he said he would trade it all in to be able to preach like John Bunyan.
0: I think he was just being nice.
1: Yeah, he couldn't. Have, he couldn't have really meant it. No,
0: anything. he was just walking away. I got to say something to this guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's in prison for crying at loud. I'm like, dude,
0: you know, we just got to help him out somehow. <laughs> he probably thought, like, dude, oh, that's such a bad sermon. His biblical theology was such a mess.
1: A measly three-volume works.
0: You yeah. Know? Like, poor dude, poor man, God. you got to lift him up somehow, you know. What can I say? What can I say that will really help? <laughs> well, it will be a lie, so I shouldn't say it. No, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: But he he basically, didn't John Owen basically work himself to death? Like he died in his forties or something. Did he? Because like when everybody else was sleeping, he was writing.
0: Sounds like Jordan Cooper.
1: (laughs) It sounds like everyone but me.
0: (laughs) Beware, Jordan. Beware. There is danger in putting out five books before you turn thirty.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. You see, again, I just can't relate to that. I mean, I I was. (laughs) We're talking about the other day. The only book I voluntarily read before I became a Christian (laughs) was a choose your own adventure about vampires (laughs) I just had no interest in it I was like the opposite of an intellectual and then I suddenly have this interest in in studying and learning and writing but I lack the tools (laughs) (laughs) you lack the the broader intellectual (laughs) framework
0: in which to process these works of literature (laughs) all
1: the desire none of the skills Man, it's, uh, oh. yeah. Shit yeah, I used to. I used to
0: read. Too. Um, like I would say, you know, I also when I it was amazing. It was amazing. Starting with the Bible itself. I mean, just read the whole thing, cover to cover, in like three months or something. You know, I just. Yeah. Spent bunkers with reading i mean so i never and it just didn't that, yeah. stop all the way through i mean it's carried on i've just constantly read since <laughs> i became become a christian it's like the light got switched on um yeah sorry. but i did read more than you i think before you know like i did i did the obligatory basics you know
1: um, I mean, to be honest, even then, that wouldn't say very much, would it? I mean, no, that's true. I didn't even read Macbeth for my Macbeth exam. <laughs> 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 I mean, thats I watched the movie. <laughs> that's how well, I got uh, through Macbeth.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, nah, I know. So anyway,
1: one? I was reading John Owen, mm-hmm. and I thought, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I mean, I was listening to his arguments for, for infant baptism. Yeah. And I was trying to think of to see if any of them, you know, disturbed me. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. So, I thought it might be fun for us to go through it. By the way, um
0: in. I know that there are more than a few listeners that will be deeply con- disconcerted with that statement right now. The feedback <laughs> basically from the last podcast episode was, "How can you be okay with your brother drifting to Rome?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, trust me. He just has this thing for like for like the high church, don't worry about it, everything's fine. I know it sounds weird on the podcast, but he's cool, it's cool. And yes, it's also true that he was an Anglican and you know, he was a veteran, but but you know, it's cool, everything's cool, don't worry about it. No, you know, just don't want to be like it's apocalyptic okay, about it, you know, yeah, but um, fine, yeah, it's just a little bit disturbing. This,
1: this is how I live my life, I run, I, I constantly run thought experiments, it's nothing to be disturbed by. Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I don't. I would never tell you the most disturbing parts of my thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a dark place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I I, 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 In all honesty, um, there are more than a few factors as to why I could never, ever go to Rome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of them is the Council of Trent. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah, just. Wow. A, the whole thing is just a disaster, mm. and then, um, and there's there's that for a start. And I just couldn't be Roman while the Council of Trent was in place. That's the, you know, if they re, if they revoke the Council of Trent, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'd be open for discussions. But like,
0: wow, you see that kind no. of stuff that's going to freak people out. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> well, it's, uh, well, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, the. Um, about
0: infant baptism, yes, yes, you were checking about. yourself, yeah, you were testing yourself, uh, I do remember
1: Yeah, exactly, right. but it's good, it's good for us to do this, we have like to such challenge a, our own
0: doctrine It's just when it becomes such, a, what do you call it, like um, idle? No, 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 that's too strong uh, <laughs> Such a, <laughs> such an emphasis is yeah,
1: You have to tell me, who, who is it, who's worried about me going to Rome? Uh,
0: no one, <clears throat> Cody
1: <laughs> it's to, okay Cody. it's all right i'm not going to run back i had to talk I'm him not-
0: down a little bit on sunday was, <laughs> okay. Yeah, <it's> just <laughs> assure him that you're okay you're worth listening to still he's like listen no, man no, no. I'm not- listen man I've, there are many roman catholic podcasts out there i chose not to listen to them what's going on with you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's like bait and switch over we, here. we did
1: uh, it was maybe, maybe a little bit surprising. Maybe we should have given people a warning as yeah. to what we're doing.
0: Right. It's just I what I put it down to is your demon hunting sort of like edge. You know, it's just you want mm. to live in that vampire book. That's the problem. <laughs> it, had such a big, it had such a big influence <laughs> on you.
1: <laughs> it's true. It was life changing. It was only one book, but man.
0: <laughs> and the closest like, thing to crucifixes and stuff that you can get to. <laughs> is Roman Catholicism, and that's driving all of this. And I tell people that they don't believe anyone can be that shallow, but I'm like, I, trust me, trust me. It's It was his only book. It's huge. I mean, this is uh, vampires. It's crazy.
1: Uh, oh, I Just, you know, to be able to, like, have a, a few vampire stakes under your priest cassock, oh, I mean, bruh. that's just the coolest thing ever. Did you ever see that movie, The Priest? <laughs> it's exactly, that's like my, you know, if that was that driving right, all of this. I'll tell you what, guys. Mm-hmm. It would be, it'd be difficult.
0: Totally. All um, right, now, infant baptism. Um, yeah. In all seriousness, what did John Owen say? Did he rattle you? Okay. Do we need to walk you off the so, ledge? Uh, no.
1: But, okay. But uh, so it's interesting because in Anglicanism, there is no rationale for infant baptism, right? So you have to understand this. So in Presbyterianism, there's a slightly more advanced covenantal argument for infant baptism. But mm-hmm. in the 39 articles, mm-hmm. there's nothing. It's just yeah. like his baptism is for people <laughs> who believe it's a sign and seal of faith. It's to give in to those who have prof- on profession of faith. Like everything is totally Baptist.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: it says, and it's right that we apply this to the children too.
0: Right. right. And that's it. Yeah.
1: Like there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. If you go through the liturgy, it's like unapologetically, sacramental and like this is you know a, <clears throat> a sign of salvation and all that kind of right, stuff right. and then it's like and it's for children
0: yeah. and it's
1: just like so jarring
0: mm, you know mm.
1: so like to pre- present so john owen starting from that sort of anglican basis
0: mm-hmm,
1: you know mm-hmm. um i think anyway i mean a scholars might might say something else, but anyway. So he says one: the question is not whether professing believers, Jews, or Gentiles, mm-hmm. not baptized in their infancy, <clears throat> ought to be baptized, for this is by all confessed. Mm. So everyone, everyone needs to be baptized if they're Christians, right? Mm-hmm. So he's saying that's not, not no one's arguing that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Two, neither is it whether in such persons, the profession of saving faith and repentance ought not to go before baptism. This we plead for beyond what is common practice of those who oppose us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tracking. Did
0: uh, you understand that? Yep.
1: It's kind of antiquated language. So it's, okay. yep. Um So the question is only concerning the children mm-hmm. or the infant seed of professing believers mm-hmm. who are themselves baptized?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is the question. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, let's say, here's, here's his arguments. Okay. So, uh, firstly, they by whom this is denied can produce no testimony of Scripture wherein their negation is formally or in terms included nor anyone asserting what is inconsistent with that of their seed. But this is to be required of them who oppose infant baptism, that they produce such a testimony. So he's basically saying the Mm. burden of proof Mm. lies with Baptists. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that?
0: Well, yeah, this is a a well-worn path. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't want to be dismissive of it because I want to appreciate the the, the covenant angle, um, and you know, and I feel the force, I do, I, I feel like I'm not denying the force of, of the argument that if you say the Abrahamic covenant was indeed an expression or administration of the covenant of grace and was applied to children, then, you know, you're going to work with that paradigm moving to the new covenant and you're going to get there and you are at some level, you know, in terms of, I mean, it's almost like it's you're going to expect that that continues let me say that um but you're going to expect it in my mind in the same way that they were going to expect a whole lot of other things that actually weren't carrying on as well um, so you know obviously they were going to expect it because they did things you know one single way in terms of types and shadows and ceremonies and and um, and so that continue that continuity is a thing but but then the New Testament comes along and says okay now you know, as a result of the already-not-yet-eschatology uh, involved here, uh, the, the, on, the inauguration of the kingdom, um, things change. You know, the types and shadows fall away. And so, you know, I, I would ex- in some sense accept that the burden of proof needs to be on, on on anyone who would oppose if you're giving much of your emphasis to that, um, that covenant angle. Uh, but I feel like it, it can easily be given. You know, it's just not mm, even a, mm-hmm. it's not even a problem. Um, you know, actually just the other day I was listening to someone saying, you know, just kind of um, pushing back on the Baptist argument because we would go to Jeremiah 31, even, at, you know, in terms of that mm-hmm. covenant progression and say, well, you know, there we go. You have a new covenant, not like the old covenant, the, the precise difference there being uh, that, you know, everyone in this covenant is in the actual, you know, eternal redemption uh, that that's being offered through it. And, um, and, uh, you know, they were saying, well, you know, the Baptists kind of over eschatology that they, they don't understand that there's a prophetic foreshortening there. There's, there's, uh, you know, Jeremiah's thinking of heaven. And I do not deny any of that. I, I don't think Baptists should, I think that's absolutely right. We're just simply saying that at Pentecost, um, there was an element of already not yet overlap you know so from now on we simply model on the basis of what is not yet rather than on the basis of the shadows um n- nothing's saying that you know that final consummation has arrived but like every other thing in the new testament um it, it's it's just no longer based on the shadows it's based on on the, on the substance and realities so hmm. i think it's just a very simple kind of pushback to that idea you know
1: I also think that if you truly hold to Sola Scriptura, you know, you're not looking primarily or firstly to the history of the church, and you're not looking primarily or firstly to the traditions, extra biblical traditions, and you're just going straight to the New Testament. Mm. It's pretty unfair to say burden of proof lies with anyone Mm. because actually I I think you have just as much onus on you to show from from the principle of Sola Scriptura you know where your practice is to be found in the new testament
0: that's a good point and you know historically speaking um stunder and low i think it was uh, they wrote that book i know it's very hard to get of. it was a very academic sort of you know kind of brill publication equivalent and um but i have got a copy and uh, you know two two presbyterian or anglican um professors from south africa one of the universities there put out a book that's just really high quality and they just did a deep dive into, um, you know, what, what, in fact, we do know about that early church period, you know, uh, let's, <laughs> let's finally get, get to the bottom of this, uh, incredible work. And, you know, as Presbyterians, they came out concluding that in fact, there's just no way that infant baptism was the norm. So, you know, at that level, there was a discontinuity, um, Even you know, so you you could just, but uh, I think I think it's wise to do what you said, you know, and just just throw it back on the scripture, and then go to scripture, uh, and then go to history afterwards, and uh, let there be a by far secondary secondary thing.
1: Well, I think the stuff you've been doing with Nick has been a really helpful illustration of that, because if you're going to go back to the norms that you find in the early church fathers,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, you're going to come up with some ideas that are just foreign to foreign to scriptures, you know? But but I think like Jordan Cooper makes the point really well that basically you go back to the early church, you find no justification for any view.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: No justification for any view. Like there's nothing Roman Catholic you know it, it will there's some roman catholic there's some orthodox there's some protestant there's some baptist there's some Peter baptist there's yeah. some baptismal regeneration there's some not yeah. the opposite of that you know That's like, true. <clears throat> you just find it all there mm, so mm, like mm. it's it's just deeply misleading to then say whatever becomes like the norm because at some point the papacy becomes the norm and before that you know like the, all sorts of weird stuff becomes the norm, you know. For like sure. Just yeah. I don't yeah. Know. It's a it's a it's a messy playing field. So the scripture is definitely the way to go. Now was Again, o- his second argument? Yeah. yeah. Was Owen's
0: uh, point there uh, that the burden of proof rests on us in terms of that historical continuity?
1: I think. Well, I think he's saying that the burden of no, 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 no. The burden of proof. Well, he does make this point in the next point. Yeah. Um, but at that point, he was just saying, um. You know, we need to produce testimony of Scripture wherein mm. the negation is formally or in terms included. Um <clears throat> So he's just basically saying it's the burden of proof is ours from the Bible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, that's what but I
1: why is he saying that? Right. And he must only mm. be saying that because that has been the the standard. Mm. You know Because yeah. Anyway, that's my
0: well. And and you know, just because I know Sproul does make that point, that was one of his big ones. You know, listen, everyone's been. You know, if we're going to stop doing what the church has always done, you know, you're going to need a good reason for it. And I remember being totally hit by that point. I mean, I don't want to be the, the guy, you know, moving away from what the church has clearly always done from the time of the apostles. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do a closer inspection on that and it's just not true. So, you know... It's not a real point one way or another. But then, yeah, I mean, thinking about that biblical theological continuity, I think, I mean, that's, that's, I, I feel that one because it is the way that God had worked, you know, and there was a genealogical thing going on. There was, uh, you know, children were properly included in a typological covenant. It's just that the types and shadows have fallen away. Simple, simple as that, you cool. know, and, yeah. um, and so now it's by faith alone. So we get back, to, we get the sign after we believe. I mean, it's just really kind of simple at that level, you know.
1: I mean, you do realize that the interesting thing about looking at Roman Catholic theology is you realize how they're trying to create a kind of Christianized Judaism.
0: Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, do you
1: know what I mean? And the and the infant baptism thing ties so neatly oh, within that system. Exactly, exactly. You know, you've got Rome, Zion, and you've got you know the, the heavenly city, and you've got the mm. the the whole thing with the priests and mm. the sacrifices mm. and the like. It's just basically, and you've got the queen mother, and you've got you know, like it's exactly. just the whole thing yeah, is whole thing. very very Jewish.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, in one sense. You can see that in some sense, that's like when you're taking it as a whole, it's a more consistent system than just kind of like a Presbyterian view Mm, of baptism.
0: For sure. Or an
1: Anglican view of baptism, because Rome goes the whole way with it, Mm, you know?
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: And I guess we're just saying that's the wrong way to go.
0: Yeah. And from the time, I mean, you're seeing in things like Federal Vision and whatever else, you know, in that camp, it's just that tension within Reformed theology. They've, They've kind of kept a little part they've got an engine a reformation engine and they've left a little part dangling you know and it doesn't really it's not really part of the engine it's just a dangling part that could get in the way and they've just kind of worked their brains out to try and keep this thing you know without letting it go um, but it's just it always dangles you know it always just gets in the way and so <laughs> for, for me it does feel like the baptist mm. part of the reformation history has been just hey you know what let's just go and chop that little dangling part off let's just let it go and let's have yeah. a more streamlined engine here. and uh for whatever that you know I, I just can't see that being a bad thing at this point and that's a good place to leave it for part one okay